Hello, and welcome to the first edition of our new podcast, which is called, for the time being, MEP Life. We may think of a better title than that, but that's what we've come up with so far. So my name is Caroline Bowden, and I'm one of 16 Liberal Democrat MEPs who have just last week taken up their seats in the European Parliament in Strasbourg. And with me is... I'm Judith Bunting, and I'm one of the MEPs who was elected for the south-east of England. And most notably, I would say, is I am evidence, my presence here in Brussels is evidence that the Brexit party has not got the increase in votes that they're advertising. Nigel Farage, in his own backyard only picked up the same four seats that UKIP had. He didn't get a fifth seat. Instead, we got me. Judith is one of our surprise MEPs. Absolutely. And it's a joy to have you here. Thank you so much. So we thought we would just do a little podcast to give people a bit of an insight into what life is like as an MEP, what we actually do here. So this podcast will cover some political stuff. We'll talk about the work we're doing and we'll also have a bit of a chat about life on the Eurostar and (laughs) what it's like moving from pillar to post every week and trying to work out where you are. Um, So Judith, you used to be a science journalist. So tell us a little bit about how you got into politics and how you've ended up here as an MEP. Uh, I started off, I was at the BBC for 30 years and I was not very political. I mean, I voted, I always voted Liberal Democrat. Why wouldn't you? Um, But I was not a political animal and I was very happy being a science journalist covering, I worked on things like Horizon, Tomorrow's World, and I was really more of a features person um, than a political person. And then I left the BBC by choice and went and worked in the independent sector and found that I actually missed the public service side of the BBC and just thought, where can I get that? Where can I get that feeling that I'm actually helping out in some way? And literally started stuffing leaflets through letterboxes for Vince Cable. I thought I've always supported him. I don't really know much about politics, but he seems like a good egg. And I started (laughs) delivering leaflets. And if you know anything about the Liberal Democrats, you'll know that once you get near them, they don't let you go. Absolutely. Gradually, I got lured in, and um, and decided that I'm 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 a little bit older than the average newbie. So I thought I might as well jump jump in with two big feet and stood for Parliament. And then um, I didn't get elected, which is fair enough, given where I was standing. And I joined the selection process this time to try and help our leaders in the South East, Catherine Bearder and Anthony Hook. And I had less than zero expectation of getting elected. So it is a delight to be here and to be um, really ferociously trying to stop Brexit and to try and encourage the Europeans to give us the support we need to try and pause Brexit when Boris or Jeremy Hunt, maybe, finally step forward with a plan. So you really had no idea when you went to the count that that Sunday night that you were going to be crossing the line? No idea at all. We knew things were going well. There was no doubt about that. But we're not going to talk about the the Haunt proportional representation system in this podcast, I think. But it just... The, the the number of seats we needed to win to get three MEPs, so many, so many votes. I can't remember how many, but it was so many votes that, you know, I wore the frock and I brushed my hair because I wanted to look like a good supporter. But it was not until they put the numbers in front of us that we realised I'd actually been elected. Wow. 
And what about you? How was it down in the southwest? Caroline represents the southwest of England. Yeah, so I live in South Devon in a little town called Totnes, and I represent the southwest of England and Gibraltar. We and must Gibraltar. not forget Gibraltar. And strangely enough, I had just lost my job, uh, so I was out of work and trying to work out what to do next um, when the email came from the party saying they were looking for candidates. And I had stood for Parliament in 2017 and still also in position as the candidate in the Totnes constituency, um, which remains to be sort of discussed, really. But um, I joined the party on the 24th of June 2016. So I've always been a supporter. And my dad has... has My dad left the Labour Party to help set up the SDP and has been involved in the SDP and the Alliance and then the Liberal Democrats ever since. And for years has been trying to get me to go out campaigning and... I kind of never did. I delivered some leaflets, but never really got involved. And then during the Brexit camp, the referendum campaign, I realised that I was spending an inordinate amount of time shouting at my television. And yes, yes. On the night of the, re the result, I realised that just doesn't work. You, know, you can shout as much as you like at the radio, but no one's listening. So <laughs> I felt like I had skills to offer. So I, like you, got involved and they kind of snap you up and yeah. um our local party was thrilled to have me on board and 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 that's how I got involved and then stood for council and then stood for parliament in a in a no hope seat but it was like a sort of training exercise and found I really loved it so when this opportunity came up my husband said well you've got nothing to lose you haven't got a job so <laughs> you might as well put your name forward um so I've got quite an, a european work background i spent 10 plus years working for Reuters news agency as a correspondent. So I've lived in several European countries and I and I do or have spoken several languages. And it just seemed like a really good fit. You know, the election was something we'd never expected to be facing, so I'd never really thought about it before. But um, Yes, you were a bureau chief in Zagreb, weren't you? Which I always think sounds like Graham Greene. It sounds like something out of the, the quiet American. There but... were moments that were pure Graham Greene while I was there. Yes, I spent two years running the Reuters Bureau in, in Zagreb just post-war. So I had spent quite a lot of time in Belgrade during the war. I was never in the thick of the fighting, but I went to Zagreb after the peace agreement was signed and spent two years with 14 people who had post-traumatic stress disorder from covering a war. So it was quite a challenge, um, but great fun. And I have made friends with the only liberal Croat who has been elected to the European Parliament, who's sitting in our group. The Liberal Croats aren't very thick on the ground, or at least they weren't when I left the country. Um, so it's been nice to say hi to him and realise how rusty my Croatian has become. So that's us, guys. This is going to go out on social media. If you've got any questions about us and our backgrounds, if you want to challenge us, if you want to ask us any questions, then come to us on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. We will try and round up your questions and answer them next time. Yep. Um, but let's leap to last week and the state opening, the European opening of Parliament, which was quite a moment, really. It was. It was. Stop Brexit t-shirts and all. Yeah, so so we decided to parade into Parliament wearing our bright yellow T-shirts, which w w there was some discussion about amongst our group, wasn't there? Yes, I mean, there it, was. It wasn't a clear, we're definitely going to do this. Um, you know, there were a few people who raised questions about it, but we decided that we would make a visual impact. as we And it worked. It worked 
immensely well. I mean, we'll come on to the reservations people have had, but the broad idea of 16 people boldly walking into that parliament saying, stop Brexit, please stop Brexit. And that is not just saying it to the European Parliament, but saying it to the world and all of the media who are watching. Because sadly, the impression that the European Parliament has received over the last few years is that the Brexit Party and UKIP, that they are the attitudes that hold sway. And some of that I'm going to lay at the door of the Conservatives and the Labour Party MEPs, many of whom are very good people, but they didn't make much noise about supporting the European Parliament. Mm. Certainly, the mainstream press in Britain never covers covers anything positive about um, Europe, and you don't get much news about your MEPs and what they're doing. So to actually make a statement that was bold enough to catch the news around the world, I think was a brilliant move. Now, the fact that when they saw us from the back... Yeah, that was a little bit more challenging, wasn't it? I mean, I I think it's fair to say that if we hadn't had that message on the back of our T-shirts, then we would not have been doing wall-to-wall media for 48 hours after we walked into Parliament. Yes, quite possibly. Those T-shirts were very bright and they were very yellow and they couldn't be missed, really, could they? And I think if we'd all marched in in smart suits and dresses, then nobody would have taken any notice. Notice. And we didn't want the story back home to be all about the Brexit Party turning their backs on the National Anthem because we knew that they would come up with a stunt, didn't we? I mean, they always do. So we knew that they would come up with something. And, and Farage's excuse that they did it because the President of Parliament called it a national anthem was nonsense because they actually knew they were going to do it in advance. Um, so I think they were taken aback that we... Pulled, we beat them on the media. We beat them on the media. <laughs> which is not something we often do. Oh. No. So, um, I, no, so it's very positive. I've, I've been speaking to people over the weekend that um, uh, went to a, a got summer party in Wokingham and I had people writing to me saying we were concerned about the bollocks to Brexit on the back and if you don't like that word then just put your fingers in your ears for the next minute or so because we'll <laughs> probably repeat it. Um, but we won't get any worse than that, I promise. Um, so, and, and I accept that people are concerned and people have different levels of offence with bad language. Um, and, you know, there are people who use words I don't like and I wouldn't be prepared to see on a T-shirt. But bollocks isn't a terrible word. People do say, you know, things are the dog's bollocks and so on. It's still not polite parlance, but it's not the worst of all swear words. And... There comes a point where we need to be bold and, as you said, we need to catch attention and I hope that the people who have expressed their reservations understand that what we did, we did with massive respect for the European Parliament Mm. and massive respect for the people who don't want the UK to leave Europe. So I hope they'll forgive us and just give us a cut us a little bit of slack over the use of what's a fairly cheerful um, uh, piece of bad language. I hope they won't. I hope they'll forgive us. I think it was I think it was manufactured anger. I mean, I think people like Piers Morgan accusing us of using foul language and it's it's just ludicrous. Really, They're just trying to trying to create a controversy. I mean, we got on the news and, and, and we were able to put forward our position and and we yes. wouldn't have achieved that without the T-shirts. So yes. I think I think we did really well. And I think sort of two days later, so Judith and I were in Strasbourg all, from Monday to Thursday last week and 
It was a busy week and everything was new and it was another massive building to navigate and <laughs> lots of walking from the office back to the chamber and back again and getting lost and it was extremely hot. And so we had all that going on. And then Thursday lunchtime, towards the end of the week, we're all quite tired. We're just about finished thinking about going home and, and suddenly we see that Anne Whittacombe's going to speak in the chamber. <laughs> yes, and Anne Whittacombe is someone who I have seen quite a lot of during the election campaign because she also she was also elected in the South West. And she made this astonishingly awful, vile speech, which was one of the most disrespectful things I think I've ever heard in my life. And she stood there shouting, ranting like a crazy woman. And when I looked around that chamber, I could see Europeans from every country just looking utterly appalled. And partly at the words, but also just at the the tenor of it, the yeah. the attitude. And the expression on her face yeah. was hateful, which is not something that you like to see. No. No. And it was embarrassing. I felt ashamed. I was actually quite upset by it. Um, and I, you know, my feeling is that if they are that disrespectful of this place, then they shouldn't come. Yeah. They should do what Sinn Féin do with the Westminster Parliament. They should not attend and they should not take their salaries yes. and they should just let those of us who want to work here get on with it. Yeah. One of the things that she talked about, I would like to go over and raise a little, um, which was she made reference to the terribly undemocratic uh, way that the president of the commission, the president of the parliament and the president of the council are elected and... I want to address this head on because the first thing is they're not undemocratic. So these people, these heads, these presidents are elected by elected members. So if you look at um, someone like the head of the Council of uh, the European Council, that's the European Council is where all of our prime ministers, all of our leaders sit. And they are actually the group that comes up with a plan to elect both their president, their own president, and the president of the commission. So those people have all been elected by every one of the people in their country. So that is democratic. Now, the fact that we might not like what comes out of that is kind of neither here nor there, but they are the elected leaders of our countries. In the parliament... Um, we elected on the Wednesday our president. And I understand that there's been a certain amount of deal-making behind the scenes. But what we want in Renew Europe is for every citizen at home to actually have a say about who is the president of the commission, actually to have a vote. And there'll be recommendations from all the different parties, but you at home could vote directly for the president of the commission, president of the council and so on. And... That's what you do when you don't like something. You work and fight to change it within the organisation. You don't just go off in a huff. Absolutely. And, and one of the things that's going to happen this week, so we've just arrived back in Brussels, it's Monday, we'll be here all week, and tomorrow the proposed candidate for the head of the commission... Ursula von der Leyen. Or... Von, den, von Leyen, von der Leyen. Yes, excuse yes. us, we... Yes, we're not sure. We don't know about her yet. Um, she is going to come to Renew Europe to talk to the Liberal Group so we can ask her questions. And I think she's going to be under some serious scrutiny because yes. she does have a bit of a chequered past in Germany and, um, you know, there's lots of stuff going around about her record. And 
We don't know her. We've never met her. And, and she will face proper scrutiny. And then it will be up to us as MEPs whether we elect her or not. And, yes. and the parliament will actually have the power to not choose her to be the head of the commission. I mean, I don't know what happens with the whole deal if it all falls apart, if yes. that happens. But, but it could happen. It could happen. And it's only happening because last week we all voiced our concerns about not knowing enough about the um, candidate, Ursula, and we said she needs to come and talk to us mm. and she is coming to talk to us. Yeah. So I thought that's a pretty good pretty good sign, a pre pretty good thumbs up for the process. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that I, I've written a blog about this actually this morning on the train that I, as a new politician... Um, have always sort of vaguely understood what goes on when MPs are whipped to vote in the House yes. of Commons. And you hear about, you know, Labour whipping all their MPs to vote one way or the Conservatives whipping to vote another. So last week, we were effectively whipped to vote for yes. a candidate for the President of the Parliament. And then I sat there listening to the candidates speaking. And I have to say that my heart was telling me to vote for someone else. And mm -hmm. this was day one on the job. Yes. And actually, it was a massive moral dilemma. Yes. Here we are, brand new job. We've been told to vote one way. And, you know, there was a little voice in my head saying, if you don't do that, someone will find out and you'll be in real trouble. And <laughs> oh, no. OK. Um, and I didn't really want to, but I did. You yes. know, I'm not ashamed to admit I did go along with the whip and I did yeah. what I was told. And I voted for the person who, you know, was part of this package that had been carefully negotiated over days and days and days and and you know there is a little bit of me that thinks actually that wasn't the person I wanted to vote for and I think but that's a journey we are on as yes. new MEPs and it's something you know we will learn and one of our group who's been here before has told me that he was the most rebellious MEP ever or something <laughs> <laughs> so you can so rebel I think it's okay yes, to it rebel is. it's okay um, to rebel I was I was sufficiently annoyed with the whole process that I thought I might just spoil my ballot paper and then I thought no that's that's childish you have to have to vote for someone and in the end I also supported the, the, and by the by, the guy that we're talking about supporting is pretty good, actually. He's an Italian socialist and he's good on big on climate change and big on supporting young people. And, and he's not a bad guy. None of this is a reflection on the quality of him as a candidate. It is just getting used to being told what to do when you're yeah. independent minded people. But in the end, I wanted to support your colleague, Martin Horwood, my colleague, but he also stands in the Southwest, mm. who had made a fabulous speech or made a fabulous speech later in the week. But he's been doing terribly good work. He's one of the vice presidents of the Renew Europe group. And I thought, yeah, he's feeling his way as well. Mm. And he needs our support to do his job well. Absolutely. And it's so. fantastic that they've agreed to have a Brit at the top table of, yes. of, of Renew Europe because they could have said to us, look, you're not going to be here long, so you can just shove off and we're not. But yeah. we have actually come out quite well. We've got committee yes. chairs and we've got vice presidents and we, in our group, we're the second biggest national delegation. So they are taking us quite seriously yes, yeah. and, and we're going to show them that we're actually here to work and do a good job. We are um, and we're here to stay. Now, I've just... We've just had people waving um, their hands at us on the other side of the glass to tell us that our time is up. We'd love to carry on and tell you about the work we're going to be doing on our own committees, but maybe we save that to next time? Let's save that to next time because we'll okay. have had our first committee meetings and we'll we know will. a bit more about Indeed. what happens. What we should do is say that Caroline's going to be working on the Environment Committee and I'm working on the Education and Culture Committee and also a little bit on the Science and Energy Committee. So... Um, so that's where our interests lie and I hope that that'll draw you in to listen to us again.
Thank you very much. Thank you. Nice to talk to you, Judith. Very nice to talk to you too. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.